Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. As you may have realized, I watch a lot of sports. That's why I like Prime Video. It has all my sports in one app, like the National Women's Soccer League, included with Prime. Plus, you can buy Premier Boxing or stream the NHL and NBA playoffs on Max with the Bleacher Report Sports add-on or add Paramount Plus for the Masters on CBS. Prime Video. It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. You know our trusted partner, TireRack.com, for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of the best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Redestein Pinza AT. But did you know they sell other automotive products? Wheels, brakes, and suspension, just to name a few. Everything you need to elevate your drive. You can go to TireRack.com slash Dan. That's TireRack.com slash Dan. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Let's bring in Al Leiter. He faced some of the best home run hitters in the game, won three World Series titles, now works for the MLB Network. And uh, MLB Network have the Yankees and the Jays tonight. That will be uh, nationally. Al, thanks for joining us on short notice. Uh, if you're on that Blue Jays staff, as you once were, what would the pitching strategy be for Aaron Judge? Uh, fastballs up and in, sliders down and away. Don't hang anything. He is, uh, you know, had a, an amazing year, triple crown year. And uh, there would be no doubt how I would approach it, nor would I think some of my old pitching coaches and managers. I, I just heard that, that little soundbite you've you shown uh, or uh, listened to. Um, no. I, I And it's not a stubbornness, Dan, and it's not a bravado tough guy thing either. It's mm-hmm. It's just it's just playing the game right. And um, while there's competition, it's the most awesome gladiator syndrome aspect of all sports. Mano a mano, you stand on the mound, you're facing the guy with a bat, and I'm going to try to exploit a weakness, and I'm going to do it. But to just randomly throw four balls, uh, you know, errantly way out of the zone, especially early in the game. Now, it, would it make sense if it's a 2-2 game, 3-2 game, tight game, and I got Aaron Judge up in the seventh or eighth inning? Probably dumb. Uh, to give him anything good to pit hit. But, yeah, 100% we go after him. But I also wonder this, though, Al. The pit, the hitters behind Aaron Judge haven't picked him up. So when they walk him, they don't do anything where you go, well, we got to pitch to Judge because the guy behind him is killing us. I wouldn't be pitching to Aaron Judge if I'm the Blue Jays because I, he's the guy I'm going to worry about beating me. I'm not worried about the guy behind him. So how much does that factor into your pitching philosophy or game plan? Yeah. No, yeah, great point. And that, that, that becomes dumb, right? If, if what you just described, everybody else behind Aaron Judge is, is a little leaguer or high school hitter, 
then why would you pitch to you know the, the MVP? So that's that's one facet which I haven't bored down on every single game and every single box score uh, in the last uh, however many he hasn't hit his home run. Yeah. Um, as to who's doing what, I know they won last night. But no, that 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 plays into it. Look, I, I think mostly, and, and it happened to me. I remember too distinct. It was in '98 when when McGuire was down the stretch, and it was I think it was either early September, or late August, and we were at Old Bush Stadium, um, pitched against Mac. Everybody's packed house. I threw a ball. The place booed. The umpire called the strike. The place booed. Like everybody just wanted to hit a home run, and it was cool. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I'm a little nutty anyway, but I thought I was like, "Oh, this is awesome." Um, he didn't hit a home run. I he, he might have gotten hit. I think I struck him out a couple times actually, but it was just the I I because I was a little crazy. I just I liked it. I I enjoyed it. I remember. Um, I also remember when uh, when Bonds hit his 70, what did he hit, 73? Or, yeah. I don't know the number, I guess. 73. 73. It, was at, it was at Shea Stadium. We were out of it. Barry was, you know, pushing. It was definitely in September. Place was packed. Um, and I pitched to Barry. Uh, you know, it, again, it might have been stupid, but uh, I just, I enjoyed it. I, I thought it was the coolest thing. And his last at bat, he didn't get, he didn't get a home run that night, but his last at bat, I think I hung a curveball or something. He hits a ball in the right center field at Shea, flies in the third base, and Barry, uh, he looks over at me and, like, kind of in, in kind of a cute way with Barry, whatever. He looks at me and he kind of, like, head nods and winks. He winks and he's like, hey, man, thanks. And, I, you know, and I thought about it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to walk you. I want to strike your ass out. That, that, that was my thinking. So, um, you know, maybe a little different. I, I would go after uh, – listen, if I, if I was pitching tonight in Toronto, I, I would go after Aaron. I would be smart about it. And my whole job is about executing quality pitch. That, that, that was my mantra when I met Harvey Dorfman in the mental game of baseball in 1991. And, yeah, 5th, 6th, 7th inning in a tight game, probably will pitch around him a little bit, yeah. I understand the Blue Jays not pitching to him because they're in a playoff race. I understand the Red Sox because of the rivalry. But you've got Baltimore and Texas coming up. Those are teams that are not factoring in the pennant race. They should. Well, they- and also, too, also too, Dan, you know, then it becomes a command issue. I was just watching highlights this morning and watching the Nationals, some young kids that are pitching against Acuna. And boy, oh, boy, you couldn't center cut those pitches any any better. And, I, you know, I feel for it. I've been there, I, I, you know, to give up home runs and, and hard hit balls. But, you know, you have a guy that's hot, the Braves are hot, and, you, you know, you've got to be better than that. So on top of what you just said, now, Baltimore had a really nice year, uh, surprised a lot of people. But you, if you have young arms on the mound that really can't command it, um, he's going to get mistakes, and mistakes, you know, in the case of, you know, over the heart of the plate. We're talking Al Leiter, Major League Baseball Network analyst, of course, former pitcher. He won the uh, World Series three times. Yeah, I'm just curious if pitchers not pitching to Aaron Judge are actually changing history by choosing not to compete with him. Perhaps uh, we, I don't know if we could get in the mind of it, but if, if I bear down on the game, um, I know we got it nationally and, uh, you know, of course it'd be on yes, but I could generally tell if a guy is throwing a non-competitive pitch okay. that just looks like he's purposely trying to throw it out of, the, out of the zone as opposed to with conviction and intent behind it. Um, that, that's pretty obvious if you've thrown thousands of pitches. Um, 
so I, I don't know. I, I guess we got to start bearing down on how 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 these pitchers just don't look like they're competing or not. I, I I'm not going to believe that, Dan. I, I I think there's a lot of pitchers that are would accept this challenge. I, I here I, I'll give you an example. So that year, Big Mac in '98. So I later play with Steve Traxel. I love Trax. Uh, he was with the Cubs at the time, and he gave up Mac's sixty-second uh, home yeah. run, right? Yeah. In in Bush, and to to this day, I think if you talk to Trax, he's still pissed. Yes, yes he is. <laughs> and I thought about it. I didn't want to be disrespectful to Steve Trax, but I'm like, you know, what? it was kind of cool. Like you gave him sixty second. Like you know, I know you made a couple All Stars and all that, but like. Not that you tried to give up the home run, but, eh, you know, I gave up a lot of home runs, you know. It's like, all right, so you gave up 60 seconds. I would not be timid about being the guy who gave up the home run. Not at all. Oh, so you wouldn't care about going down in history? No, hell no, no, no. What's the? How many home runs I give up every year? So you gave up the, the big one? All right. I mean, Al Downing, you know, forever, you know, giving up uh, 10-15 to yeah. – uh, yeah, Hank Aaron. Yeah, but I don't know if he wore it as a you know uh, a badge of honor there. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not now. Again, I'm not saying like I want to be that guy. No, but I'm not going to shy away from not competing. I'm yeah. So maybe is that stubborn? Is it dumb? Maybe it depends on. The well, score you got in the three inning. World Series rings too. That helps. <laughs> And I don't know when to wear them, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> um, great to talk to you as always. Thanks, yeah, for, thank thanks you. for calling in. All right, buddy. Be well. That's Al Leiter, MLB Network Analyst, three-time World Series champ. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com. Or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid-back appeal and down-home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial.
Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. After arriving Monday in Clearwater, Florida, Jim Cantore of the Weather Channel in Southwest Florida. And I saw a tweet from Jim before 7 a.m. that said, The uh, hurricane now 155 miles per hour, trying its best to become a Cat 5, which I think is 157, 158 miles per hour. And then Jim goes on to say one of the strongest hurricanes in southwest Florida history. And Jim joins us now. Jim, where are you? Uh, well, I'm backpacking some of my stuff because I have a feeling I'm going to be spending the night in my car because we're going to get some storm surge here in Punta Gorda, Florida, which is where I am, Dan. And so we're going to go. we got a parking garage. We'll get up uh, a couple of levels in that and, and, and let this thing come in and, and, and do its thing, man. How bad do you expect it to be? Very, very bad. Um, you know, if you go and you Google the Saffir Simpson scale, and you look at the different categories, when you're up there on a high-end four or low five, it doesn't matter if it gets to five now. It, it's still, you know, unless it goes way into the five. Uh, but the, the point is, is, it's still the same type of catastrophic damage. Homes, roofs, trees and power lines mangled just about everywhere. And, of course, the element with this that we're worried about is storm surge. I mean, 12 to 18 feet, Dan, which puts some of this town that I'm in, or a lot of it anyway, underwater. Explain that storm surge to me. So the storm surge is the rise of water component on the east side of a storm. Uh, You know, there's all this wind that comes over the water and you have such a low pressure. You have a compensating water rise for that. So all of that is following the hurricane's landfall point. All right. And wherever that is, especially if it's to my west, which it's forecast to be, the right side of that eye, which is where I am, is maximizing the storm surge. So this morning, again, you saw pictures up in Tampa Bay where the wind was actually blowing the water out. Here in Charlotte Harbor, we had offshore winds, and that blew the water out. But the water is going to come back in, and it's going to come back in with waves on top of it, and it's going to continue to rise into that 12 to 18-foot level. So that's what happens when you have a hurricane. There's almost a little slope of water that adjoins the eye wall right into the coastline. And, of course, depending on the approach, is it 90 degrees to the coast or is it more angular? You maximize your storm surge the more you know perpendicular you are to the coast. Who's getting hit the hardest or what you expect? I mean, Lee, Charlotte – Collier counties up to Sarasota County. Uh, and, and the fact that this thing is so doggone strong, and it's not going to wind down quick. Uh, it's going to come in and you're going to even have damage uh, into Orlando. I remember after Charlie, which this isn't going to move that fast, but it's so much bigger. It's going to kind of make up for not having that speed. Uh, there were, there were like literally mulch cities because there was so much debris everywhere that they had to mulch all up. So, I mean, it was incredible. I'll, I'll never forget that image driving by in Orlando after, after Charlie uh, back in 2004. What's the worst one you've been involved in? 
I mean, they're all bad, you know, they're all, you know, any, any, any major hurricane, there's a lot of damage, but sometimes, you know, like, let's just say Harvey after Harvey came in as a cap four in the central Texas coast, then it became a 65 inch flood in the Houston metro area. So it's like, what, what, what's bad, you know, what was bad, all of it. Uh, you know, anything that floods, certainly anything that causes a massive loss of, of life and, and property uh, is bad. So, Dan, just to, I don't know if you can see this. Tell me if you guys can see this. Yes. Yeah, you can see it. Yeah. All right. So the top part is what we call the reflectivity. The bottom part is the radar estimating the wind speed. So that's the eye wall. You see the 122 miles an hour yes. in that eye wall? Yeah. That's what's coming in toward Captiva right now as we speak. And that's what's heading up my way. So I'm watching this. And last time we had, uh, you know, Hurricane Charlie back in 2004, that the waves and the wind were so bad, they actually made a cut across the barrier island. They call it the Captiva cut. I expect several cuts in several parts of the barrier island to really take a catastrophic hit. How do you maintain composure in something like this? It's your job, but there's got to be part of you that nervous. Yeah, I'm always nervous for my crew. Uh, I'm always nervous for people in harm's way. I mean, there's, but I'm on mission. I mean, how, how do you ask a guy who's on the front lines? How do you maintain composure? It's your mission. It's your job. So, you know, you have that responsibility to to do that. I mean, it's not perfect. Sometimes you get tired. Sometimes you see someone suffering and you're torn to pieces because of it. And that's really hard, frankly, to, to maintain that composure because you want to suffer right along with them. And this lady downstairs, her name was Barbara. She, uh, she just gave me a big hug before I came up here. And uh, I mean, that was, that was nice. I needed that. So what do you do the rest of the day? I'm going back out. Like I said, I came back here to our hotel because Given the storm surge forecast here in Punta Gorda, I don't know if we're going to be able to get back here tonight when we finish doing our broadcast. So we're probably sleeping in the car in a parking garage. Uh, so I just wanted to get some things, some food to bring back, you know, some drinks, um, some Gatorade, water, things like that, just to just to go back and, and, and ride it out there. And hopefully we'll be able to walk through oh, back to our hotel tomorrow, you know, but I don't anticipate anybody having power. I can tell you that. You ever been in a jam where you thought, you know what? I'm 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 in trouble here. I mean, never like, oh, I'm in trouble here because you can always go up. You always have to leave yourself an escape route to go up. I mean, the cars and all the other crap you can replace. Uh, in Katrina, we lost everything uh, on the parking lot. And the good news is we were there at the Armed Forces Retirement Home. So we could help out the Navy CB unit that was based there. A lot of young guys, you know strong, young, and, 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 but basically when that water started coming in that building, we got a chance to uh, help them, you know, bring those vets, our vets uh, up to the second floor out of harm's way. But, you know, the problem is, is the water came in, the food is down there, all the medicine is down there. Um, and of course, everyone's having breakfast when Katrina came into Gulfport, Mississippi. So that, that was one of those things where it's just like, you, you can react and freak out, or you can pull yourself together, change your mission now. You're a part of the mission with these guys, and, and you try and help as many people as you can. And, and, you know, I'm proud to say nobody died in that. Nobody died in that Armed Forces Retirement Home, and these are our heroes. 
Um, you should see that thing now, Dan. You should see that place. It's it's a fortress. It's up on stilts 30 feet off the ground. So uh, if you ask me if I'd ride out another cat for her, five hurricane there, you're damn right I would. Absolutely. What would you say to the people who could be listening to this show or in that area that uh, you think is right in the middle? I, I hope they realize, A, how fast the water is going to come up when the winds come around from the south. Because it's weird this morning because it's actually going down. I mean, there are boats literally sitting in harbors that are tied up. They're sitting on the ground kind of tilting over like this. But when the water comes back in, you know, now you're talking about it's got no place to go but up. And, and then if it breaks, if some of the wind breaks, the uh, the boats lose. They're just at the mercy of the wind. And you kind of wind up with this big pile of boats, you know, in the, in the corner of the marina. So that change in wind direction brings in the water. It also brings in the eye wall, which uh, is making its way toward Captiva as we speak. And there's still so much lightning in that eye wall, which is usually a sign of a very well-established uh, hurricane that even could intensify further. Great to talk to you. Be safe as always. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler LeVar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up On Game. What is Up On Game, you ask? along with my fellow pro bowler, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, T.J. Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Okay. I love Walker Hayes. He's amazing. He's so fun. Such a great entertainer. And that's why I'm so excited that JCPenney and country music singer songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited time men's collection for the everyday guy. The Walker Hayes for JCPenney collection is an upbeat playlist of instant classics with laid back appeal and down home vibes. As a dad of seven kids, he knows exactly what fathers want and need when it comes to their style. This collection reflects his casually cool styles with outdoor-inspired details and versatile colors. Perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, elevate your adventure by transforming your vehicle into a reliable Wi-Fi hotspot. Connect up to 10 devices up to 50 feet away from your vehicle, making it ideal for camping and road trips. Don't miss out on the fun. Embark on your next adventure today. Visit att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to check if you're eligible for a free trial.
Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. You know, these owners spend, well, the taxpayers spend billions of dollars building these stadiums. And then you wonder, how much are they spending on the actual field? And there are certain stadiums that have a bad reputation. And MetLife, where the Jets and Giants play, has a bad reputation. Uh, You just had uh, one of the Giants, Sterling Shepard, who's out for the year. OBJ tweeted out about that field as well. Albert Breer has been covering this story. Albert, uh, who is the one who signs off on the quality of a football field when when stadiums are built or even a week-by-week basis of, are these playable, are these safe? Well, the NFL teams, um, you know, really like are, are charged with maintaining that obviously during the year. And then the league office has people that approve the fields. Um, you know, Dan, I think there's a bigger systemic problem here for the NFL, which is the stadiums have gotten so expensive that NFL owners feel like they can't justify having those stadiums for just 10 dates a year. And so what does that mean? That means we got to put a million events in there. We got to put rodeos and tractor poles and, you know, swim meets and all of this different stuff in those stadiums. And what you find is when you put a ton of different events in these stadiums, it becomes harder to maintain a grass field. So what do they do? They put down field turf. Um, It's happened even in places like Carolina, like where you look like Charlotte, North Carolina should be ideal for growing grass, right? But they have a turf field. Why? Well, because they put a soccer team in there. They want to have more events in there. They want to try to monetize the stadium. So a lot of this comes down to money. And it comes down to money on the other end, too, which is, are you familiar with the Packers surface? Well, I was there when Favre played where it was basically painted dirt. Okay, well, what they have now is like this, it's like this synthetic, it's like a blend, right? Like it's it's synthetic natural grass blend. It's very expensive. It's very hard to maintain. It's, I mean, it takes a lot of resources, right? All the European soccer clubs use it, um, which tells you like that something's working over there. And then if you look at the Packers, can you think of like a lot of injuries that have happened at Lambeau, despite the fact that they're in Northern Wisconsin, which would be a, a really tough environment to do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. See, so, so there, there is a solution there. And I think more and more players are asking, well, why aren't more teams doing what the Packers are doing? And why would the Packers be able to do this and other teams wouldn't? Well, there's no owner there to say no, right? Like, so you sort of add all of this up. And you know, I had a really interesting conversation with Nick Bosa about this, um, you know, over the summer. And he obviously tore his ACL on that turf at MetLife. And, you know, he said to me, like, flat out, he says, it's BS, that, that they're making us all play on field turf. Uh, you know, he's like, we should be playing on natural grass the same way soccer players in Europe are. He brought up European soccer players. So, um, look, the NFLPA's president, J.C. Treaders, brought this up. Um, you know, Nick Bosa, again, brought it up to me. I know he's very cognizant of the surfaces he plays on. Do you look at the way the Rams have done business, despite the fact they play on field turf? 
um, in their stadium, like Sean McVay and that staff, they won't let their players practice on, on fields that they don't feel like are very high level um, for practices. This has happened. This has been an issue for them with joint practices over the years. Um, so there are a lot of people that are very cognizant of it. And um, I think there are a lot of players out there that, that do feel like this is the owners trying to cut corners and make more money. Okay. So what's the solution here? Can you, could Bosa sue MetLife Stadium? Like, can, can Sterling Shepard sue because of the actual playing surface? My guess is no, because I don't think the NFL would leave that. And I don't know for a fact, but I mean, I, I would think that that is um, tied up in collective bargaining, which is, you know, part of why the NFLPA has a hand in approving the fields. Um, and, you know, I, I, I just, I, I don't think, Dan, that it's necessarily that there's not the right process in place for approving the fields. I think what most players are saying now, a lot of players are saying now, is that the bar isn't high enough. You know, like the process is in place to approve the fields, but is the standard for our fields too low? And I think it's very easy, again, for a lot of these players to look overseas and say, how come you see these soccer teams over in Europe doing all of this to protect their players and our teams and our owners aren't. And I think it's a very fair question to ask now, like in some circumstances, indoor stadiums, I like, I understand like why, like you feel like maybe you have to have field turf, but even in those cases, like look at Arizona and Vegas, right? Like Arizona and Vegas have those trays that pull the field outside. So you can have you can grow grass outside. Well, why wouldn't an owner want to do that? Do you know what that costs an owner? Costs an owner parking, right? Like so, Arizona and Vegas. Like I mean, it's great that they're doing it, but one one thing I think for a lot of owners, one thing with a lot, for a lot of owners, I think would look at that and say, well, that's going to cost me X amount of parking spots, which is X amount of revenue over the course of a year. And when you add it up, and you're trying to put all these events in a stadium, whether it's, you know, NFL games, soccer games, concerts, whatever it is, like you're going to cost yourself X amount of money. A lot of owners just aren't willing to do that. We're talking Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter, lead content strategist at the Monday morning quarterback. What did you see on the Tua play and then the subsequent events? Sure. It looked really bad. I mean, like, look, like, you know, Matt Milano, um, you know, obviously was flagged for the the hit to his head bounces off the turf. Um, I mean, like he almost looked like a woozy drunk, like getting up, like, and that's like sort of like, I think what we all associate with head injuries, right? Like in the way that he kind of stumbled to the ground and it looked really, really bad. And I was very skeptical in the moment. Obviously the dolphins pushed out the back injury narrative very quickly, like in game, they pushed that narrative out there after they'd previously announced that he was being evaluated for a head injury at this point though, Dan, like it's just, it's something very sinister would have to be at work for this still to be for, for, for them still to be covering something up because like, you'd have to have people, the league office, people in the dolphin staff, people, um, the independent, um, you know, concussion spotter um, Tua himself, there would have to be so many people complicit at this point in covering this thing up. I just think it's more likely that this was a like a, just a bad coincidence where Tua really did have a back injury and um, and 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 his head happened to bounce off the turf and that he tweaked his back that way. Um, you know, I, again, like I, I think it's right to be skeptical, and the NFL's made its bet on this. Um, over the years, it's right to be skeptical on all sorts of concussion issues when it comes to the NFL. And it's great that the NFL PA is looking into this. 
It's just hard for me to imagine that there would be that many people at this point that would sign off on keeping Tua out of the concussion protocol with a Thursday night game coming. Um, like a lot of people would be putting themselves at risk in doing that to try to cover this but, up. But this, this is another thing. It's like he didn't have a concussion, but he had something to do with his back that made him react that way, Albert. Right. That right. sounds like it might be a little more serious, but nobody's like, what is the back injury here? It's he didn't have a concussion. Okay, but is there something else here that we're, hey, right. don't, don't look over here. We're just going to let you know that he didn't have a concussion. Right. And I, I mean, that's definitely a question. And look, like that's just sort of, I think it's the way these things have gone, right? Like over the last 15 years is that, you know, we've all been sort of trained and uh, they've made great progress when it comes to head injuries. I mean, they, they were coming from a really low point, no <laughs> question, but, but they've made progress when it comes to head injuries. And I think we've all been sort of trained in our head to think, football players can play through everything else but head injuries now. It used to be football players play through everything, right? And now it's like football players play through everything but head injuries. And, I mean, look, like we sort of glorify that to some degree, right? Like we glorify when a guy goes out there and he's able to kind of fight through something. I think we've stopped glorifying it with head injuries, but we glorify it with everything else. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, it's probably part of just our, the culture of the way we like follow the sport. We cover the sport now where it's like, don't make a guy a hero for playing through a head injury, but make him a hero for playing through everything else. Yeah. And accept that just that's the nature of the sport that you have to play through everything else. I meant, mentioned this early. You got uh, Baltimore facing Buffalo, big showdown here. Uh -huh. And I keep hearing this week in and week out. Lamar Jackson bet on himself and just like Aaron judged it. But I don't know. Like, what is the end game for Lamar Jackson? What is he hoping to get that he didn't get? How much? It feels like there's a finite amount of money yeah. that he can get. Is it is it the guarantee or is it a Mahomesian type of deal? Well, let me let me just position this in an interesting way to you, where maybe it's not totally about the money for Lamar. Um, he has played. He has run the ball at a historic rate over the first four years of his career, right? And they deploy him in a way that no quarterback, even Cam Newton, um, has been deployed, uh, I mean, in modern NFL history. Um, no one's ever done this with a quarterback before. And last year, for the first time, that actually took him off the field. His first three years, it didn't, right? And as much as like there might have been mileage put on his body and everything else, it didn't take him off the field. Last year, for the first time, it took him off the field. He missed five games. So I think most of us would look at that and most players too would look at that and say, God, Lamar, you should really cash out, you know, like just take what you can get now because something more serious could happen. What if Lamar looks at it the other way? What if Lamar looks at it? Cause he's always thought differently. We know he's a different guy. It's part of what it makes him great. What if Lamar looks at this and says, you know what? I'm not going to mitigate your financial risk. Look at the amount of physical risk I'm taking on. I'm not mitigating your financial risk four, five, six years from now. Like if you guarantee the first three years of my deal, that means that you are giving yourself outs in the three or four years after that. And if this is part of the bargain that I've got to take on this amount of physical risk to play this position, and there's no precedent for a quarterback taking on the physical risk that I'm taking on, 
Hell no. <laughs> I'm not going to mitigate your your financial risk. So this is just he does he want a Deshaun Watson 230 million. And I think it's principle, but I but I think, I think I mean Dan like, like my read I think there's principle involved here, right? I think he wants like I, I and look like what I can tell you is 100% what you're saying. Like this is not about that like one thing I know is this is not about raw dollars. Like last year, they were willing to go to the Josh Allen number. This year, they've been willing to go up over $45 million per, which is where the market is right now. This is not about the raw money. This is about doing guarantees and structures, yeah. uh, guarantees and structure in a different way than we've traditionally seen quarterbacks done, which is what Deshaun Watson got, right? And which is what, what Kirk Cousins got um, five years ago or four years ago in Minnesota. And – Lamar's asking the Ravens to, I think Lamar's asking the Ravens to do that without there being multiple bidders, which is the difference in the Cousins situation and the Watson situation from every other one, right? Cousins and Watson had multiple bidders, which I think is why it got to the point that it got to in those cases. Um, so like, but I don't think that this is just about like Lamar collecting every, every dollar. If it was to me, if this was really about money, the Ravens would have been able to find the number that Lamar couldn't say no to because that's what this is really about, right? At some point, the number would have gotten to a point where Lamar would have said, you know what, $150 million, that's good enough, I'll do it. To me, like, and just knowing a little bit about Lamar, knowing about NFL precedent, I just, it feels to me like this is about principle. And if you really think about it, you sort of reverse engineer it that way, Dan, where you say to yourself, if you're Lamar, might you be a little ticked off if you're taking on the, all this physical risk and they're asking to mitigate your financial risk? You can see where maybe he would think that way. Yeah, I wondered about if you guarantee it. Um, but so you think the Ravens are saying, you know, we sort of want to guarantee this. We don't want to yeah. complete. Okay. And- well, so so here's the thing is like, and, and and really the reason why things aren't this way. So, I remember talking to you know a few teams after the Kirk Cousins did his deal, and I remember asking like, "Is this going to be the trendsetter? Is this like the the tide turner, you know, so to speak?" And they all said, "It's and, and agents too." They all said like, "It just depends on what the next contracts look like." And then Matt Ryan did a conventional quarterback deal, and Aaron Rodgers did a conventional quarterback deal, and we were back to square one, right? And same thing happened this year, where you know Deshaun Watson does his deal in March. And everybody's like, oh, cool. Could this be the trendsetter? And, well, Kyler Murray, Derek Carr, um, they do conventional quarterback deals after, um, after, after Deshaun Watson's deal gets done, and it seems like we're back to square one. So, like, I, the, what the Ravens were asking Lamar to do was a conventional quarterback deal, which is where things had sort of reset after the Deshaun Watson deal. And – it feels to me at least like he's the first person to stand on principle in this. And what's really interesting about Dan, I had a discussion with a really smart executive a couple of years ago who was in a quarterback negotiation about this. And he said to me, he said, my job isn't to pay him what he thinks he's worth. My job isn't to pay him what the market says he's worth. My job is to find the number he can't say no to. And that's effectively what the Mm -hmm. Raiders were able to do with Carr. That's effectively what the Cardinals were able to do with Kyler Murray. And obviously, that's something the Ravens haven't been able to do with Lamar. I'll uh, get to this quickly and let you go. Thank you again for your time. Uh, you got it. The Giants situation with Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley, I think they've already kind of sent the message to Daniel yeah. Jones. Hey, we're not picking 
up your option. Saquon, do you want to get into the let's extend a running back to a second contract here? I mean, this is a faceless team without those two, but I wonder as they move past this season, are Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones on the Giants? I'll say no on Daniel Jones. Um, I'll say maybe on Saquon Barkley. I think with Barkley, it sort of depends on what the market dictates. And my guess would be that the Giants would let him go to the market and say, we'll work with you on a contract, but like we're not going to break the bank at this point because he is a running back five years in and he does have injury history now. And I think it's, it's really instructive because I do think that they followed the pattern um, through their first nine months there. Like it's instructive to look at like where Joe Shane and, and Brian Dayball came from and that's Buffalo. And if you look at the way that the bills built what they've built there, and I think everybody's impressed with what they've built there they did have sort of faces of the franchise when they got there, right? And Tyrod Taylor was there, and Kyle Williams on defense was there. And they slowly transitioned out from underneath those guys. And if you look at that team now, look at the core of the team, every single one of them is a Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean guy, every single one of them, right? So so much of what Buffalo did, they had good players in-house, they made the playoffs that first year, was about – how do we transition out of the old era and into the new era? And so I think it's going to be a big, going to be a big part of what the Giants do. And the same way McDermott and Bean had confidence in themselves that they'd be able to bring in the right guys over time, which they did, and guys like Josh Allen and Tredavious White and Tremaine Edmonds and Stephon Diggs and all of those guys, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer. Um, I think the that, that Shane and Dayball have the same sort of confidence that they're going to find a way to bring in the right kind of guys to be the faces of their franchise a couple of years from now. Final 30 seconds. Is there a coach right now already in trouble? I mean, the conversation is going to continue on Matt Rule and, and Mike McCarthy, um, I think, over the course of the year. McCarthy's, I think, done himself a favor in winning with Cooper Rush um, the last couple of weeks. So, you know, I, I don't know that that discussion is quite as hot as it was. Um, a couple of weeks ago um, on Mike McCarthy. Rule is just going to have to deal with it over the course of this year. Um, so that's one. And then I think another one to watch is, is Lovey Smith and Houston. They're at such a critical point for their franchise. And, and I, it's hard to predict if a franchise will go one and done two years in a row. But you've got names like Josh McCown and Jonathan Gannon that sort of have connections in the organization. And I, I think will be sort of hovering over that thing. What about Cliff um, Kingsbury? He just signed through 2027. Though. I know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that they did it. I mean, that was the thing is that that was the bigger surprise was that they did those contracts. And, you know, I think we all came out of that blowout loss. To the Rams thinking, okay, Cliff's on notice. Steve Kimes on notice. Even Kyler might be on notice. All those guys have new deals now. <laughs> and, you know, I think a big part of it becomes it's not just as the owner willing to eat all that money. If he fires guys or gets rid of guys who have these contracts, it's also admitting you were wrong. You know what I mean? Like, and it was such a big swing on Cliff in the first place in 2019. And they made the playoffs last year and they've made progress over three years. Like you, 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 you make that decision, you make the progress, you double down. If you're Michael Bidwell, are you willing to admit that you were wrong? I think that's a big part of it. And I think that could be a factor in the rule thing too. I mean, honestly, like David Tepper took a, awfully big swing in giving Matt Rule a seven-year contract, um, you know, in 2020. 
when does he get to the point where he's willing to admit he's wrong? I think that's a factor in these sorts of situations where coaches have so much term left on their contracts. Thanks again, Albert. You got it, Dan. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. What do the most successful growing businesses have in common? They're working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> Redwood Forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.